0: Welcome to Working Towards Our Purpose, a podcast that offers a different perspective on what a job can be. For everyone out there that's heard that voice in the back of their head asking for something more, it's time to listen to it. I'm your host, Gino, and join me as I interview people who have decided to work in their own purpose. Together, we will learn, become inspired, and hopefully find our own path towards working in our purpose. Patrick Blanchett is founder of Union City Farm, a gourmet mushroom producer from Prospect, Connecticut. Patrick became a mushroom farmer after being unhappy at a career in the insurance industry and deciding that's not how he wanted to spend his days. I'm excited to get to learn more about his story and his business. Patrick, welcome to Working Towards Our Purpose. How are you doing today?
1: doing well, thank you, thank you.
0: Excited to get into your story and and to talk about mushrooms, but first I wanna just ask a little bit about your Home life growing up and like schooling and and kind of like what led you on to the path of becoming in the insurance industry.
1: <laughs> wow. That that's a big question that nobody's asked me yet. So I grew up as a art student and I was also very competitive in school. And I have a twin brother, so that helped with the competition. I also
0: have a twin brother. That's hilarious. They're
1: <laughs> <laughs> not identical, thank the Lord, but <laughs> um yeah. So it was always competitive. We were always kind of doing the same thing. How I got into insurance was, well, I was always told that I was good at talking and I should be in sales. And I didn't want to go to college. And so I kind of I started my sales career with Kirby vacuum cleaners. and uh, and that was really, really good experience. I only did it for like a year or two, but it was really good experience to just kind of get out and talk to people and uh, break the ice, if you will. And so that launched me into a couple different options. And I ended up with insurance. It was fun at first. Yeah, I think I got my license for insurance when I was 20 or 21. And so I was I was doing very, very well. I was making more money than any, any of my friends at the time. But therein lies the problem because I was doing it with the intention of making money. And that was it. And then I did that. I was I was passionate about it to some degree because there were some scenarios where, you know, I sold a policy and maybe pushed somebody to get a policy and then they end up dying and that really kind of hit home because I had to deliver the, you know, the policy to the uh, the loved ones and let them know that it was covered. So, there was some passion there. There was some some level of fulfillment, but it was few and far between and I went from doing outside sales, where I was basically sitting in people's houses talking to them about their insurance, and I switched to inside sales, which basically means I was sitting behind a desk, uh, answering phone calls and talking insurance over the phone. Um, I did the insurance sales inside with a company for about ten years, and it was fun. I mean, it was a it was a good atmosphere we had a good team everybody was kind of around the same age bracket so we'd all get along but um one day it just it just something switched and i realized that i don't want to sit behind a computer for the rest of my life as as much as i was making good money and i was somewhat happy with you know the uh, the people that i was working with it just you know i i started kind of diving deep into i guess the spiritual side of me that was never opened up before and started kind of asking the important questions like, why are we here? What are we really doing? What does this all mean? And that led me to believe that what I was doing at the time, which was selling insurance was not my purpose. Uh, it was something that, you know, got me to where I am today, but it's not something that I'm going to continue doing for the rest of my life. Ergo mushroom farmer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I, I guess I'm curious to, like how, how did that start? Like what, where did the spiritual side of you become intrigued or like, what was the first thing? Do you remember like what kind of got you into more of that sort of thought pattern? Yep.
1: I was, uh, I was dating a girl that was into mindfulness. She was actually a mindfulness coach and teacher, and she was also a ballroom dance teacher. And she opened me up to both of those things, actually ballroom dancing and meditating. That I've never done before. And being a competitive spirit, when I started doing that, I realized how bad I was at both of those things and it haunted me. It bothered me so much. So I I dove in deep. I, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this figured out. And um, and that's that's kind of where it all started.
0: Hmm. Interesting. The last interview that I just released today um, was one of my friends who's like really big into meditation and kind of talked about like the different stigmas of meditation and people thinking that they can't meditate. Is that something that's still a part of your life? Like, do you still use meditation?
1: Yeah. So I did have a period of maybe about a year or two while I was building the farm where I just didn't really have that much time to devote to myself because I had a mission and I had a goal and a purpose and I was devoted all my time to building the farm. But I'm getting back into it now because now I've you know, i had the shop open for a year. The farm's been built for a couple of years. I'm starting to get into a routine, if you will. I'm starting to see gaps where I have some time to spend with myself. But yeah, that is a, uh, a huge component to where I am today with the farm and my mindset. And it's going to be part of my regular routine, if not daily, then very, very often. Because uh, I can tell that I have missed it. I have missed that time with myself because I've been, I've been putting all my energy on external things, external stimulus in my life, and I haven't really been focusing on me. And when you do that for an extended period of time, it catches up with you. But a lot of that had to do with just building the farm because it was all by myself. I didn't have anybody else. I, you know, I was learning as I was doing it because. I didn't. I didn't really know what I was doing. So I was looking at videos. I was researching. I was from the from the ground up building all the equipment that I use on the farm because I had to do everything within a budget. So I was just in a constant, you know, fourteen to eighteen hour day of learning and applying and learning and applying. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, it sound, certainly sounds like a huge undertaking, but. Also I wanted to go back to like the actual transition of you leaving your career and old, an older job. What did that look like for you? Did you do like a part time sort of thing, or did you just like rip the bandaid off and go straight nope. into mushrooms?
1: Nope, it was funny. I um, this is when I I was really kind of starting to meditate. I was probably meditating for maybe about a year, year and a half, maybe even two years. I don't know exactly, but um, let's call it a year and a half. And I was very very focused there was a there was a time where my coworkers were calling me buddha path because <laughs> uh they would come up to me with a question or a problem and I would have to answer the best answer possible immediately like it was almost like a superpower it was incredible but this time I was I was meditating probably 5 to 6 hours a day so wow. i was very convinced that what i was doing and how I was spending my day my day to day doing the insurance was not going to serve me anymore so yeah, I ripped the band-aid off. It was very immediate. I left there. I didn't have anything lined up. I just left. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew what I didn't want to do. And so I took I took the leap of faith. <laughs> and I, you know, from an outside perspective looking in, that could come off as impulsive. Uh, especially because I have two little kids. I have a two year old and a five year old. When I did this, it was the news of the new baby, my son. And my daughter was 2 or 3 at the time. So it was it was definitely a big move, leaving a solid foundation of income that I've had for a decade to just quitting and not knowing what the heck I'm doing. But I just knew that if I followed my heart and if I did something that would make me happy, then I would be okay. And that, mm-hmm. that was my purpose. That was my mission. That was my goal. So I left the insurance gig. I bought a new house where I can build a property into a farm. I knew I wanted to farm. I didn't know what I wanted to farm, but I knew I wanted to farm. And I, I found this uh, this property, this multi-use property, where I can have a business and I can also live on the property for the time being. So it kind of all worked out, and that's a whole another story to dive into and how I found this house, but it was pretty wild. So I uh, I ripped the bandaid off and started building a farm and. Here we are, hmm. so
0: did you have any sort of like I mean the, the way that you say, like I totally agree with everything that you say, but th- for me, I feel like there's a, a newer part of me and an older part of me, and there's always that like voice in my head saying, like, well, you know, what are you gonna do about money, or like how are you so sure that you know you should follow your heart and and that sort of thing? Did you have any like back and forth with that, or oh,
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely, so when I made this decision. I like I said I was meditating quite a bit. I've I've gone through scenarios multiple times in my head, but it was it's almost like I was being pulled to do it because if I wasn't going to do it now, I wasn't ever going to do it. I've been wanting to farm. I've been gardening for over a decade and I love being outside and working with my hands and I don't know, there was something very therapeutic about the process of knowing what I didn't want to do. And committing to that thought and then using that to catapult me into building something that I adore. So there was a lot of yeah, there was a lot of back and forth. There was good days, there were bad days. But there were more good days than there were bad days. There was more the focus and the building. And I, you know, I think one of the best parts I love about the business is is building the business because I didn't have a schedule. I didn't have an itinerary. I didn't have a deadline. You know, it was, I want to go outside and I want to put this work in because it's something that I love to do. And that was my focus every single day. And then seeing it come together and now being able to share it. I mean, it was, it's, it's, I love it. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I said that there wasn't any ups and downs. Of course there was. Yeah. Without money coming in, I mean, you know, I pretty much used my entire savings to do this. All of it, it's gone you know, and now it's building back up because the business is is going well. So I took the risk, I took the leap of faith. I don't regret it at all. I kind of wish I did it sooner. But, you know, I think everything happens for a reason and everything, uh, everything comes into our, our life, you know, at the time that we deserve it to.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I guess the question that popped into my head is, do you think that because it's something that I frequently think about, like the more time that you spend with your own thoughts and the more time that either it's meditation or I don't know, thinking about your future, then like the almost the truer you could be to who you really want to be or maybe what your purpose should be. Because it seems like spending five hours a day meditating is like giving yourself tons of time to think about like what you really want to do. And I think maybe that voice in your head becomes so loud that it's like, I don't have any option, but to do this thing because that's what I'm telling myself to do. But then when you don't have that time to yourself and you don't allow yourself, I don't know, is there like any sort of correlation do you think between like that alone time and like following your heart?
1: I think everybody has a different meditation practice. You know, it's, it's almost very easy to just sit and thought, and you don't have to be meditating, quote unquote, to do that. You can just be staring out the window and do that. My form of meditation that I practice is really to just focus on nothing. And when I focus on nothing and I focus on my breath or I focus on just being present, I see all the thoughts coming in but I don't give attention to them. There's a level of control there that empowers you. And you know, our our brains are designed to just put us in the worst case scenario and constantly be thinking and it's easy to get consumed by that, in, in anything in business, and relationships, and family, and life. But I think that finding that silence, whether you are outside and doing it, or whether you're, you know, listening to a, a meditation, a, a music meditation, and you do it. I think that finding that silence and being in the silence allows all of these other things to kind of work themselves out around you. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. Uh, but i find that when i overthink about something i mean you could you could overthink about it there's snow on the ground right right now i mean we could overthink that oh maybe i shouldn't leave the house because i'm going to slip on the snow and if i slip on the snow i end up in the hospital and if i go to the hospital i'm going go to work and if i can't go to work i'm not going to be able to pay my bills you can fall down the rabbit hole or you can completely you know turn around and think about the opposite i mean if you if you catch yourself in the beginning like oh there's snow outside maybe i should just put my boots on you know and be careful. I think that there's a, a level of control there that you have over your mind when you do meditate for long periods of time like that. And that is something that is, I think everybody should be doing. I think that it should be in every workplace. I think that, you know, instead of kids having recess or nap time, we should have meditation time. We should have an hour a day at least. For everybody to sit in silence and to practice that. And it is a practice. It's not something, you know, when I first meditated, I sat down at a table like this with the girl I was dating. And she goes, We're gonna meditate. And I'm like, sure, why not? So for 15 minutes, I closed my eyes, my eyes were fluttering. I couldn't I couldn't really sit in nothing. I was like like I went on a journey. My mind just took me on this little escapade. And my eyes were fluttering. My body's like, why are we, why are my eyes closed? It's the middle of the day. We're not sleeping. But when I practiced continuously being in that level of silence, eventually it started becoming easier and easier and easier. And I noticed that the longer that I did it, or the easier, or the quicker that it came to me, the easier that everything around my life, including my quality of thought, changed. It was amazing. So meditation has been a huge for me,
0: huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I noticed when I try to meditate in silence and like to ignore the thoughts, like you're saying, and kind of let them come and go that it seems sometimes that I usually I'll just get like a whisper of something and I'll be like, Oh, that's, that's what I need to do in this situation. And it's almost like, it's like I, I know that it's the right answer because it's not like yelling at me. It's just like, kind of like whispered to me. And then I'm like, Oh, okay that's, that's how I'm going to do that thing. That's how I'm going to fix that problem. Um, and I think that that comes with that this time that you're describing where you can kind of like let go of all those negative thoughts that are just always repeating in your head. So yeah, I, I like the way that you like articulated that to, you know, maybe explain to somebody who's never meditated before. Um, mm. so yeah, I, I, I get also a huge proponent of meditation and think that anybody should try it. So kind of changing lanes a little bit. I'm interested how you, you said that you know, you're interested in farming. How did you land on mushrooms, and uh, and you know, how did that start? Good
1: question. So when I moved onto the property, I was crunching some numbers, and I realized that it is going to take me an awful lot of tomatoes to pay my mortgage. So I started looking at cash crops. I was looking at goji berries and ginseng and all of these different weird, you know, things because I wanted to do something that was different. I knew that. I wanted to do something that was definitely different, something that was unique, something that would stand out. And so I came across microgreens. Microgreens are essentially a sprout for anybody that doesn't know that. But there's all different varieties that you could do. There's broccoli, sunflower, peas, radish. I mean, I do about fifteen different varieties. They're highly, highly nutritious. And so I started kind of looking into that. I'm like, okay, i can I can do a crop of microgreens every two to three weeks. And get a good ticket price for it. And that could be, you know, a sustainable crop that would help me do the rest of the farm. Cause I do want to do the tomatoes and the cucumbers and all that good stuff. You know, I just want to be outside and, and be immersed in it. But I want to have something that's going to cover me, cover my mortgage, cover my bills. You know, so the uh, microgreens I dove into and I was studying them for, I don't know, maybe around six months or a year. And I was finally really comfortable with them. And so I started researching a couple other microgreen farmers that were in the area just to see how they packaged their stuff, to see how their delivery was, yada yada. And I had this one guy come over, and we were standing out on the farm, and we were talking. And I said, "Hey, listen, you know, the only reason that you're here is because I want to do what you're doing." This guy had like 30 or 40 restaurants. He had um, probably 20 or 30 different varieties of microgreens. I mean, he was he was doing really well. And he had a similar story too. He was in corporate America, and he left to do this. So we kind of connected on that level. And he's like, "Man, there's so many people doing microgreens right now because it's not rocket science. Anybody can do it. I mean, it it takes a little bit of practice, but anybody can do it." So he's like, "Everyone's doing microgreen farming right now." But he's like, "If you can get into mushrooms, there's a huge niche for mushrooms right now." And it was so ironic when he said that because. About two weeks prior, while I was going down these rabbit holes of learning about farming and agriculture and sustainable practices, I learned enough to change my decision on my diet and go plant-based. So two weeks prior to him coming over, I decided I was going to go plant-based and I was eating mushrooms almost every single day, but it was only mushrooms that I could find in the store. And so when he said that, he's like, you should get into mushrooms. I was like, all right, whatever. Sure, maybe. But it wasn't until like maybe two or three weeks later that I kind of I I went into it and I looked at all the different varieties of mushrooms that can be cultivated and all the medicinal benefits, all the ways to use them as meat replacements. It was it was just like this shining light that came down, and I started dabbling. I started to you know pick up like grow kits. You know people can find grow kits at like Home Depot or you know you can buy them online my first girl kid, I remember doing it, it was terrible. It came out awful. It was just it was so bad. But um, I enjoyed watching him grow. And I, you know, it was kind of like it brought me back to the the ballroom dance and the meditation is when I first started something, I was completely terrible at it and it just haunted me to the point where I wanted to be the best at it. So I quickly realized throughout that process why more people are doing microgreen farming instead of mushroom farming. There is a huge investment <laughs> to do for mushroom farming where there's not so much for microgreens but luckily i did have a little bit of savings to kind of work on that so i dove in deep with the mushrooms i like i said like 14 to 18 hours a day reviewing videos online reading books consuming myself with as much information as possible and you know learning about all the health benefits and all the Ways to use mushrooms instead of meat. It started just becoming part of my diet, and then, uh, and then once I started growing all the different varieties, I'm like, "This is freaking awesome! This is really, really cool!" And there's so many different. I mean, I have pink mushrooms, I have yellow mushrooms, I have blue mushrooms. I mean, there there's all different colors and textures and shapes and sizes, and I just found that it was just a love story from the beginning. It seemed like everything was kind of figuring out its own path, and all I had to do was. Follow my heart, and that's what I did.
0: Mm, yeah, I love that. <laughs> it may, makes me think about um, like kind of the story about how I got into what I'm doing now, and like I'm kind of at a point where I'm rethinking the thing that I chose because um, I think it more so came out of just like me thinking like, oh, I can I can do this one thing. I'm going to go do this one thing now, and like try to force it into something, and kind of letting go of the idea now. And I think I'm maybe more in a open minded situation where I'm stable enough to like, you know, pay for all my stuff, but like also thinking like, I don't know what I'm gonna be doing in the future, but like being open to it. And I think that's like going to be a big part of it as as you just shared in your own story of just being open to like not knowing what it is. And then when it hits you, like you're like, oh, this is it. And then having the confidence to like put everything into it because you're so sure of it just feeling right. So that's, that's like inspiring for me to hear because I think maybe I'm not there yet, but to be open-minded and to keep just, you know, being open to like whatever comes towards me.
1: Enjoy I the guess. journey. It, it's easy to overthink. It's easy to get c- consumed in, in fear of thought of what's going to happen. How am I going to do this? When am I going to do that? Yada, yada. I mean, that's what our brain's designed to do is to give us the worst case scenario to prepare us for those situations. But the reality is, most of those situations don't ever happen. And so we're just in this, this state of fear or this state of missing out or, or whatever it is when we should just be present and we should just be enjoying the journey. There's going to be ups and downs. That's the whole purpose of life, right? I mean, if, if everything was up and everything was positive all the time, we wouldn't have appreciation for it. We need to experience the negative. We need to experience the bad in order for us to really cherish the good. Mm,
0: yeah, totally. I'm thinking <laughs> a, lot, a lot of the stuff that you're saying, I also find in books that I read. I like reading a lot of like self-help books and stuff like that. Where do you think that your mindset of, of you know, what What we're speaking about came from? Did it come from only meditation or do you also like read a lot of different things or like, where do you, I guess, learn from?
1: I, I do a lot of reading. I mean, all different. Joe Dispenza, I think is pretty awesome. He's a neuroscientist. His story is a, uh, is pretty amazing. Books from Pima Kadran. I mean, anything that I can get my hands on. I've been watching, I don't watch TV, but if I do watch TV, it's usually a documentary. It's something that I can learn from. So Anything to do with farming or sustainable practices or mushrooms. Fantastic fungi is a great is a great documentary. Anything that I can learn from, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm soaking everything up. I you know, I've never I b I went to high school, I went to some college, but I've never had the urge or the capacity to learn until recently. And now mm. I'm just like a sponge. And it mm. started the mushrooms, it started a little bit before the mushrooms with the spirituality side of me. But since then, I I just I don't know. I just want to learn. I want to I want to build my knowledge. I want to I want to share. I want to share that you know with with as many people as possible. So I don't know if it's I think no, it's not Netflix. It's Amazon Prime has a um, I guess like a subsidiary called Gaia. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's basically Netflix for spiritual minded people. So it has kind of stuff in there, documentaries and. And podcasts and meditations, and so if I have time at the end of the night, you know, after I'm doing all my work, I'll either flip on a a, a meditation on my phone and put my headphones on, or i'll I'll watch some type of documentary because there's just you know there's so much that we can be learning, and it's great that we have platforms like streaming and you know social media where we can learn from other people as well. I think that that is I'm not a I'm not a huge proponent on social media because usually people are just on there for hours and hours just scrolling and scrolling. But if you do it with an intention and you do it in moderation and you have you know a, a, a practice around it, um, I think that is it can definitely be beneficial.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Thanks for all those uh, suggested resources. Definitely gonna look into some of those authors and that streaming platform. Sounds awesome. So I'll definitely have to check that out. This also kind of leads me to the question of like asking you if you were a good student, because I feel like you said, like, maybe this came on a little bit later in your life, like just the thirst for education. Um, I think that that's a really cool way to like, maybe even almost counterculture way of looking at education. Cause I think people, once they get to college or they finish their master's or whatever, they're like, okay, I'm done learning. I'm just going to work now. But I think that kind of like takes all of the fun out of life. And, and even just going into the school systems that at least I was brought up in, it was never really fun to learn, but I now so like learning because I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I could learn this thing that's going to help me here or whatever. And there's a reason to learn, I guess, or like there's a a drive to learn. So were you a good student back in like high school and stuff?
1: I don't know if I was a good student. I, uh, (laughs) I probably could have been in a better group of friends. We were kind of the troublemakers. So, you know, school was, you know, I made it through, I made it through, but I didn't enjoy it because it wasn't my choice. You know, it wasn't my choice to go to school. Mm -hmm. I was doing it because my siblings were doing it because my parents told me to do it because everybody else is doing. it, And so I never really had a, a focus. I mean, the only thing that I really did draw to, or pun intended, I guess, was was art. Art was kind of my outlet. Art was my way of Expressing myself and doing something where I have control over, where you don't have to tell me what I'm going to write or what I'm going to put for a brushstroke. You know, it, it was my decision, and that's where I really. That, to be honest with you, I think that's why I passed school because, you know, if I had to do like book reports or anything, I would try and always do like you know a cover page, and I would spend hours and hours on the cover page, and then just do a half-assed book report. But all the time that I put into it, they would at least give me a passing grade. So I don't want to say that I drew my way through my diploma, but I think that had something to do with it. But yeah, school is, you know, it's, I don't know. I think that, I think that the way that we're doing things and I think that the system, the way that it's set up needs to change. I think that kids should be introduced to a lot and be able to choose what they want to do instead of the majority of the day is, you know, You have to go to English. You have to go to history. You have to go to math. You have to go to science. And then, you know, that continues until they're 23 and they graduate college. And then they come out of college. They don't know what they're doing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But who said something about learning and learning and learning and then going to work? That kind of resonated with me because I got to the point where I was doing my insurance job where I learned I mean, I was like the master. I was like, there was nothing else I could learn to do. I was literally doing my job the best way that I possibly could. And then when I did that for about five years, I made the realization that okay, there's nowhere else for me to go here. I'm not learning. I'm stagnant. I'm being complacent. I'm just I'm just a robot. I'm just I'm just a shell. So when I got out of there and I started learning, I mean, everything changed. I was I was open to everything. It was probably the biggest turning point in my life when I decided to stop not learning and start learning
0: Hmm. yeah there was um a quote you had in the article that i read about you and it said uh i could literally do my entire job without thinking and that like really resonated with me because it was the same experience for me you know i had i don't know maybe a job that somebody would say is like for smart people quote unquote is like i got an engineering degree i had an engineering job but after like a year you're just like processing paperwork. It's like, you're, you're just a robot. You're not doing anything like you're saying. And even though maybe the title sounded nice, it like, it's still, I felt like my whole days were just like melting my brain. Like I was just waiting to get out of there so that I could go do the other things that I was actually interested in. So, so yeah, it's a weird way to live, I think. Um, <laughs> but I, I could digress on that. But, um, so, you know, kind of getting back to your, your business and, The farm and and the store and everything. Tell us, like, because you you do have like a storefront now or a farm shop where you can people can come and buy the mushrooms. Um, what what can people like come to expect when they visit you?
1: So it's not your typical shop. I'll just say that you know I wanted to create a space that kind of has a little bit of a rugged look to it. So everything in the the shop is small. The shop is very small. It's really just enough space for a table that I can lay out all the mushrooms on. Which I don't know if you follow online or anything, but I do pictures and I do videos of what's available for the day so people can kind of see the mushrooms that are that are available. But prior to building the shop, I did have kind of a test run setup where I had just two by threes and plastic sheathing and I was building a little makeshift kind of greenhouse to see if the mushrooms were going to be happy down there. Everyone that was coming over at the time to buy the mushrooms. They always wanted to peek in and see what was going on inside that room, and so I decided to take the whole thing down, put a wall up with a viewing window in. So now, when you come into the shop, your first thing that you notice is it's very rustic looking. I've used pallet board, reclaimed pallet board, to do all the kind of like the wainscoting, and I've used some live edge. I have a really nice live edge table that I built to uh, to kind of highlight the mushrooms. So it's very woodsy, very rustic looking. And then there's a wall up that has a viewing window right into the farm. So you can look into the farm and see all the mushrooms growing. And people are usually amazed by that because you can, I mean, they're just kind of growing right out of the bag. There's all these different colors. There's a ton of mushrooms usually. So it's really, it's really a cool feature that I really, uh, I'm really glad that I did that.
0: Nice. Um, so do you uh, participate in any like farmers market, local farmers markets or anything like that, or is it just the, the shop so far?
1: Yeah, I've I've gone to a few markets. I was supposed to go to a lot more last year, but the shop started selling out like every single weekend. So I didn't have enough mushrooms to get to the market. This year we are going to remedy that. So the goal this year is to get out to as many farmers markets as possible.
0: Mm, Nice. One of the things that I do, I have a part-time job where I work for like a local bagel shop and I go to farmers markets and like, they've been something that like has brought me so much joy. I love going to farmers markets and talking to vendors and the people are awesome. Farmers are awesome. So it's something that I really enjoy. But yeah, is, it, is there plans for you to like become bigger? Like, what's the, what's the plan, do you think, for the future or do you not have one?
1: This year is gonna be a big year. We're looking at opening up a new location in New Haven area. Oh, um, nice, that's where I am. Yeah, it's gonna be a, a bigger storefront with a bigger farm. And it's gonna be kind of the same concept. People can walk into the farm, they can see everything growing, they can see where their food's coming from, they can see it's healthy, it's clean, there's nothing hidden. You know, and that was something that that came to my attention when I started going down the rabbit hole with all the documentaries about how much of our food source information is hidden. You know, uh, and that's why I went plant based. You know, kind of learning about the industry and and seeing how our, how our food actually gets to our plate, and knowing that that our food that food goes into our body. Or what, what's the saying? Uh, put good in, get good out. Something like that. You know. Mm-hmm. And I think that having high quality food is going to give you a high quality mindset, which is going to give you a high quality life.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. And and maybe for uh, people who aren't educated on the benefits of mushrooms and like how good mushrooms can be for you, do you want to give them maybe like a, a short pitch of like why mushrooms are good?
1: There are so many health benefits that these little fungi have. It's it's incredible. I mean. There's your typical oyster mushrooms that help with lowering blood sugar and cholesterol. There's probably the most popular uh, mushroom that I do is the lion's vein mushroom. That is the mushroom for your brain health. So cognitive function, memory, repairing damaged nerves, promoting hair growth. I mean, there is reishi mushroom, which is great for calming the nervous system. If people have anxiety or depression, it's an awesome supplement to have. I mean, you can go through each single mushroom and figure out the properties that it has. And there... They're amazing. I mean, a lot of people are taking some of these mushrooms in some form or another, whether it being a supplement or, um, you know, some type of tincture, but to have the mushrooms fresh too and to experience the culinary side of it, they're beautiful. The, you know, the lion's mane mushroom, for example, it, it, it's more resemblant to me of seafood than it is a, of a mushroom. So a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, dishes will mimic seafood dishes. Like I do a lion's mane clam chowder, lion's mane crab cakes, lobster rolls. I've made it into a steak. I've made it into a sausage. There, there are so many fun, different ways that you can play with these mushrooms. But I mean, just get them into you. However, you whether you eat them, whether you use them as a tincture, whether you use them as a dried supplement, they are phenomenal.
0: Mm, that's awesome. Uh, do you have like uh, any sort of like reference material or books where you can like educate your customers on like the benefits of which ones are which, or maybe even like recipes?
1: We're gonna be working on that with the new location. You know, it's just me running the show. So right now, it's production being available for the shop, and then being available for obviously my kids as well. You know, there's if if you can figure out a way to get 28 hours a day instead of 24, I might be able to have time up. But um, it's good. It's busy. It's good. I love it. You know, this partnership that I have with somebody that is going to be growing this other platform, this other business we are gonna be doing all of that. So we're gonna be doing farmers markets, we're gonna be doing grow kits, we're gonna be doing classes, we're gonna be doing, you know, all the medicinal benefits. We're gonna be doing recipes. So it's we're really gonna kinda of throw all the pickles at the window, if you will. <laughs>
0: Nice. That's very exciting. And, you know, I think something that people are really interested in more nowadays, I see more and more, you know, like locally grown, there's a cafe in New Haven that does like all fermented stuff and continuously talks about the benefits of using local, you know, this is how it's made. We make it here. Um, and I think it's only going to get better and better as people are concerned with their health and the garbage that we eat on a day-to-day basis, but
1: (laughs) it's all around us. To make the good stuff all around us, you know. Look at the grocery store. Ninety percent of the grocery store is just junk. It's junk. It's processed junk. And then the real food that's there, the produce that's really there. I mean, it's sprayed. There's fungicide. There's pesticides. It's not really natural. And I feel like all of those things are affecting the collective consciousness of where we all should be as a human race. I mean, if we put the good in, get the good out. I mean, and change the way that we diet and change the way that we eat and change the way that we think and we can, we have the capacity to to really fix the world number 1 because right now what we're doing is not sustainable but also to really flourish.
0: Mm, yeah, how about that? So yeah, as we're getting uh, kind of close to the end of our time here, um I do like to ask this question to everybody who's on. Purpose is like a big word for me and I know that it like means something different to everybody. So, uh, would you be able to define purpose in in your own terms?
1: My purpose, I mean, I it's it's love. It's to it's to spread love as possible. It's really to my platform to do that is mushrooms and food. I've been a foodie for you know probably almost twenty years now, and uh, and learning about the mushrooms and the different ways to cook them, you know, and, and to be able to share recipes and share thoughts and ideas with people. That is. That is what I want. That's my purpose. My purpose is to show people a better way of eating. Show people a different way of eating. You know, we don't have to be eating meat all the time. We can eat things that are very similar to meat that are way better for you than meat, and they're more sustainable and they're delicious. You know, why 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 choose not to? So, yeah, my purpose is to uh, is to enjoy the journey, my friend. The ups, the downs, the goods, the bads. Just enjoy it and be present. That's
0: my purpose. Mm, Yeah, that's an awesome definition. And then one last question too, I got to ask you, any opinions on the psychedelic renaissance that's happening right now? And do you think that you'll be in any way a part of it in the future?
1: I think it's phenomenal. I mean, I've, I've microdosed before and, um, it is, it has tremendous healing properties and there are a ton of people that need to be healed. You know, I'm hopeful that it's going to come to a, a place kind of where cannabis has, where it becomes legalized to some degree. I'm I'm very hopeful because that that alone could could potentially change the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you know if, if people have more capacity and you know more knowledge to use because their their brain is more open because they have these you know these these supplements or these uh, these ways to kind of. Break barriers that have been built in their brain for years. Psilocybin mushrooms has, has the ability and lion's mane mushroom to go in there and reconnect, you know, or disconnect certain neural networks that are going on that are preventing you or holding you back from, from being your true self, from being the person that you want to be, the, the, the purpose inside of you. I've had a couple of experiences with, with psilocybin mushrooms, but they are you've got to be careful with them. That's for sure. And you have to feel them in the right context. But I think that under uh, a mentor or a supervisor of some sort, they are extremely powerful at reconfiguring the brain and reconfiguring someone's life. So mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that they do become legalized to some extent. And then at that point, you know, I mean, why would you not come to the mushroom farm for those? Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely.
1: <laughs> if it comes into our path, we'll dabble into it. But, um, It's the gourmet mushrooms that get me
0: Hmm. there's a there's a really good speaking of documentaries um documentary on michael pollan's book how to change your mind um Mm -hmm. and there's one one of the sections is on psilocybin and if you haven't seen that that's a really good documentary but his books also really good so um but yeah um thanks uh thanks so much for your time and uh for your knowledge and uh your experiences and story and um if people connected with this or they want to like come buy some mushrooms from you how can they get in contact
1: just come to the shop. It's 12 Union City Road, Prospect, Connecticut. We're open uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays from 12 to 6 and Saturdays from 10 to 4. And uh, if you can't come in those hours, I live on the property. So just shoot me a message, give me a call. If I have mushrooms on another day, I am always more than happy as long as I'm here to, uh, to open up the doors for anybody that's interested.
0: Awesome. That sounds, sounds perfect. And I'll definitely have to make my way up there at some point um, and check it out because it sounds awesome.
1: If not, keep a lookout because we'll be in New Haven pretty soon.
0: Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) All right, man. Thanks. Thanks so much for your time.
1: All right. Thanks, Gina. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to Working Towards Our Purpose. If you liked today's episode and are interested in more, you can sign up for my Substack newsletter with the link in the show notes where I share thoughts, tips, and ideas that I'm learning along my journey to help inspire you. The show was produced by Pleasant Podcast at pleasantpodcast.com.